0: Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 16, uh, verse 10 through 13. Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 13, as we prepare to worship the Lord with our giving. Testing? No. No. Uh, One thing, uh, a little note, if you don't know this about me, is uh, if I try to mouth something to you so that you can read my lips, it's almost impossible to read my lips. That comes from my time working at the National Security Agency. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's because I mumbled when I grew up or something. And so uh, then Dave is trying to mouth something to me, and it's, it's, um, I'm not very good at reading lips either. So <laughs> it goes both, way with, both, both ways with me. Um, but in Luke chapter 16, uh, we see Jesus speaking, and I'm going to read in the uh, Christian Standard Version, uh, verse 10 through verse 13. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will entrust to you uh, that which is genuine? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, and then I want to read verse eleven in a couple other translations uh, n I v says so if you have been uh, not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust to you the true riches? New Living says, if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Uh, English Standard says, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? I believe that's how the King James says it as well. So Jesus is saying, you know, kind of like your foundational step of people trusting you, for something valuable and of the kingdom of God trusting you for something valuable is something as base and worldly as money. So if he can't trust you, if he can't trust me uh, with the wealth of the world, how can he entrust to me the true riches of the kingdom of God? And so it's, uh, I like how Pastor Mark says it, this is really the money test So the Lord's going to test you with money. Uh, Can you be faithful with your finances? Well, why is that? Well, I don't know. Every reason why. But I know what the Word says. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's God interested in your money. Well, he's interested in your money, but the main reason he's interested in your money is because he wants your heart. He doesn't want anything to have your heart More than Him. Uh, You know, we're going to be talking about seeking the Lord at the beginning of the year uh, later today. And, uh, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And so uh, the Lord wants to bless you and wants you to have money, but He doesn't want money to call the shots in your life. He doesn't want the abundance of money or the lack of money to make the decisions for you. If you're a child of God, he said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Romans chapter 8. And so he wants you to be led by his Spirit. In other words, uh, he knows all things. He knows what happened in the past, and he knows what's happening to you right now, and he knows what's going to happen in the future. And he wants you and me to allow his voice, to have the highest place in our life. Why? Because Not because he's trying to get something from us. He's trying to get something to us. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, talking about giving, says that fruit may abound to your account. Paul didn't say, I want you to give so fruit abounds to my account. He said, I want fruit to abound in your account. So uh, if we give as the Lord directs us, over in uh, Corinthians, you know, you don't, you don't have to, you should never come to a meeting and be really concerned that I'm going to have to give more than I want to give, because if you're doing that, that's unbiblical. Because the word of God says, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. But if you go right on there in Second Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, he says, if you sow just a little bit, you're going to reap just a little bit. If you sow a whole lot, you're going to reap a whole lot. So he's saying, but in the context of that, right before he talks about sowing a little bit, reaping a little bit, sowing a lot, reaping a lot, right before that, he says, let each one give as they purpose in their heart. Because I don't want you given of grud, grudgingly or of necessity. In other words, uh, if you don't understand this plan, if you don't understand how God has set it up, well, then you're going to probably um, withhold, one translation says, more than what is proper. What does that mean? Well, that means that the Lord, uh, uh, can I say, this is not an idiot. <laughs> like you think you're smarter than the Lord, you're not smarter than the Lord. So he understands, like, that I have a wife and four children. He understands your family situation. He understands that you have to pay to live somewhere. You have to pay to eat. And so uh, he actually said there that you shouldn't give more than what is proper. Can you give too much? Well, you can't outgive God, but you can give more than what is proper. Because the Bible says he that doesn't care for his own house is worse than an unbeliever. He didn't say he's equivalent to an unbeliever. He actually said you're worse than an unbeliever if you're going to like, if, if I'm going to take all of our finances and give it to the church and my children can't eat food because I'm giving more than what's proper, he said don't do that. So in other words, God's not an idiot. He understands. And the thing about it is is, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 9 says, where he says he gives seed to the sower, says that you will have all sufficiency. I can't get away from that scripture, can I? Because I love 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. <laughs> I determined this morning I wasn't going to do it. But uh, <laughs> that you may have all sufficiency in all things that you can give into every good work. So the plan of God is that money is not our master. But the Lord Jesus Christ is our master. And when he becomes our master, it's like the floodgates of heaven are open. You know in scripture, the windows of heaven are open? Like the floodgates of heaven are open. Why? Well, most importantly, that you get the true riches. Do you remember the rich man that came to Jesus and he was so proud of himself and patting himself on the back? And he's like, Lord, you know, what do I need to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And, you know, I wasn't there. But when I think about that and I uh, picture it, I think, you know, this guy was kind of like thinking, because, you know, what his answer was, he said, "Uh, I have kept all the commandments from when I was a young man. So he's going, probably asking the question because he's waiting for wanting Jesus to recognize like his faithfulness and his hard work and how he has just done, done the right things the whole time. Well, man, Jesus shocked him. Because <laughs> he said, he, you know, he said, that, that's good, you have to do just one more thing. He said, take all that you have, sell it, and give it to the poor. Is that because God wanted him broke? No. It's because Jesus wants to be Lord of our life. And if he is not Lord of our life, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Money was his Lord. So the Lord wants to bless us. He wants to multiply us. And he wants to entrust to you true riches. But if he can't get through your pocket, your wallet, I was going to say pocketbook, if he can't get through your money, just something as simple as that, how are you expecting, how am I expecting that he's going to be able to do something else in me and trust to me true riches? But if you can take something as simple as money and be faithful in that, you know, it's the easiest thing in the world to be faithful with money a little bit at a time. It's very challenging if you say, well, I'll do it next week, I'll do it next week, and then it becomes I'll do it next month, then it becomes I'll do it next quarter, quarter." then it becomes I'll do it next year. You understand, like so. When I was uh, stationed out here in the military, I didn't have a. Uh, I was looking for a church and had a difficult time finding a church, and um, and so um, you know, twenty years later, the Lord laid on our hearts to start a church. So praise the Lord <laughs> out here, and um, so I had my tithe and I kept my tithe, and uh, because I always paid tithe growing up, uh, but I didn't find a church and I thought, well, I don't. I, I learned a lot more now. I should just give it to every church I visited as I was trying to find. But I thought, well, I need to give it to your home church. I was always taught you give it to your home church. sew it in your home church. And so I, I kept it and kept it and kept it. And then it got so large um, and I needed money. I was a like very low rank in the military at that time because I had just begun. And um, so I started spending some of it. And then I spent a little more of it. <laughs> And I still was not uh, giving my tithe, paying my tithe. (laughs) Well, what happened is, uh, you know, you pay the tithe and the devourer is rebuked for your sake. You know, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Well, my car broke. My transmission broke. You know about that? (laughs) Man, that was expensive. (laughs) Oh, and you know what? First thing I thought about, I was like, I am not tithing. And so I determined right there, I'm not going to do this again. I'd rather learn from other people's mistakes than my mistakes. And so I started to tithe, but then I wanted to make up what I had. Well, you know, it took me two years. And so I prayed, and the Lord gave me a great opportunity uh, to go TDY, uh, which is overseas in the military, on a temporary duty assignment. And when I went over there, they give you so much money per day for food and expenses and stuff. And so I ate peanut butter and jelly like every day, like lunch and dinner, lunch and dinner. So I saved all this money, and I was able to pay my tithe and pay uh, debt that I had and got out of debt. And so, you know, it took a while, so it wasn't the most pleasant thing. But you know, in the midst of that, when I turned to the Lord and asked for his help, I went to Naples, Italy for three months and lived in a five-star hotel on the Mediterranean Sea and got all this money to pay my tithe back and my debts off. Isn't God good? <laughs> so he's not trying to get something from us. He's trying to get something to us. So even that, like I made a mistake. I had been taught better than that growing up. But you know, I just, you know, what, what I'm saying is I, it, it got so big. And then I'm like, well, I need to pay for this or I need this. And then I was like, whoa. <laughs> and so, so, but that taught me because I grew up tithing. And so now I have a great sermon illustration. <laughs> so there's many benefits to it. But my point is, I don't care where you're at. You do what the Lord has uh, revealed to you, what's, uh, what's, what he's put on your heart. Concerning sowing, I cannot tell you the amount to sow. I can only tell you. If you sow meagerly or a little bit, you're going to reap meagerly or a little bit. If you sow generously or what to you is generous, like to what Dave is generous may not be generous to me or vice versa. And so generosity is really not based on other people. It's based on your ability and your power financially. Because somebody could give $10,000 today and you, you're giving $20 would be more significant and more generous, depending on your income. So we're not talking amounts. Tithe is 10%. So that there, there you're talking a percent. You're not even talking an amount. You're talking a percent. But the point is, the Lord wants to get through to you true riches. And even if you like stumble a little bit along the way, if you turn to him at any point, yeah, he will bless your socks off. Uh, He'll help you. And like I said, it wasn't immediate for me, but man, that ship started turning. And, you know, I tried to fix it my own self. So I went and I thought, you know, I'd never been turned down for a job. It's the first time I was ever turned down for a job. I was in Augusta, Georgia by that time. And uh, I went and they had some, like, data processing for insurance or something. And uh, the guy said uh, he was a former uh, Army guy and I was in the Air Force, which is almost like being in the military. And so (laughs) I say it before somebody else says it. And so... (laughs) <laughs> so he's like, "Well, you're just going to get deployed." I said, "I'm not going to get deployed." And um and so uh he wouldn't give me the job. <laughs> and I, I I I think that was the first job I was ever turned down for and I was kind of like, "What?" And um So I think I worked also part-time at a hotel. And then I called up one of my old uh, bosses from up here in Maryland. And I remembered we had these TDY assignments. And I said, hey, do you have anything available to go to Naples? And she said, actually, we do. We'd love it if you could do that. And so anyhow, I had favor with my supervisor and um, asked. And then uh, they sent me over and you know was very blessed in doing that. And so the Lord will bring you out. The Lord has uh, more. ways of blessing you then you can figure out ways to like stop his blessing but if we get in line with his word he will bless us the Lord said to Brother Hagin one time he said I'll bless my children as much as I can what does that mean that means that a lot of times we are the ones that stop the blessing not the Lord So, like I said with uh, my daughter a few weeks ago, uh, when she, actually Andrew's house, we were gonna go to Andrew's house. We had that church event there and she wanted to go play on the swing and um, she, you know, we pray for her and all the kids. They have an injury or sickness in their body and most of the time their, their body starts amending very quickly. Well, so she came and she slipped on a sock. She slipped on my sock, which was on the floor, which obviously should not have been on the floor. <laughs> So hardwood floor. So she slipped on my sock. And she fell and hurt her back. And so she couldn't. She wanted to. He he had been telling her, like, we got this swing. I put this swing up in the backyard. So she really wanted to swing on the swing. And so she slipped. And she's like, oh, daddy. And she... She couldn't even let me pray for her, really. She came to me to pray for her, but she was more distraught and upset about the fact, I'm not going to get to swing on the swing now. All she could focus on was, this is what I want to do, now I can't do it. This is what I want to do, now, I can't do it. Well, she's 11, and we look at her, but how many times do we do the same type of thing? We get focused on what we can produce as a solution to the problem and when we realize we don't have the power to do it sometimes instead of looking to the Lord we just get overwhelmed and almost despair and so the point of telling that was that she did not have the ability to receive because she was stressed out what she has received many times before so I just said to her, I said, "Evie." Well, I just looked in my heart because that's where the Lord is. That's where He speaks. And so I looked and came up like, um, "Ask her what her favorite song is." So I said, "Evie, what's your favorite song?" And you, what'd you say? Peace, peace, wonderful peace. So as soon as she said those words, I, just, I grabbed her and I just we just started saying it together. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. And as we're singing that, it was like you could feel a heavy atmosphere just kind of lift right off her. And then I said, okay, now we're going to speak to this. And, you know, her healing just started like that. And she, had, she bent over a few times further and further and got better and better. And then she was able to swing and all good. So, the Lord told Brother Hagan, I'll bless all my children as much as I can. What does that mean? Well, if, you're, if, you, if you don't believe in healing, it's not likely that you're going to receive healing. Like, the Lord's not going to force you to be blessed. If you don't believe in financial blessing from the Lord, it's not likely that you're going to get financially blessed from the Lord. You're not even expecting it. So there was a guy in one of the Brother Higgins churches, he pastored. And he said, you know, if I ever had gotten a, a blessing out of tithing, I don't know it. And he said, well, how have you been given? Have you been expecting the blessing of the Lord concerning what the Lord said about tithing? And basically he said no. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go to the whole story. But that man changed his thinking, changed his believing and change what he said, within one month, he started getting increase after increase after increase, and he was giving the same 10% that he was given before. But because he started what? Given out of trust in God. Instead of just as like, well, I'm just doing it, I'm just doing it, I'm just doing it. No, if you're faithful with the thing as small as money, God will entrust to you true riches. And then the door is like wide open. So it's, it's like the money test. And um, it's easy to pass if you trust the Lord. You just look to the Lord and uh, he'll provide for you. I mean, that's about the that. Tithing is about the only thing um, I'm aware of. The Lord says, test me and try me in this and prove me in this. Other times we're told don't tempt the Lord right? But with money, I think that's because, I don't know about you, but it's real easy for money to have uh, a much um, greater place in your life than what you want. And you find yourself in that position. And you're not happy that you're in that position if you're a believer that trusts the Lord because you're like, oh, I don't like it. I don't like it that I've got it in such a place. So uh I haven't said it in a long time, but... uh when I start to feel like, uh, when I'm tithing or giving and I feel like, oh, I don't know, that's, that's, that's a little much or I don't know if I should be doing that, I'll always just up it, at least a dollar. <laughs> just out of principle. Like, I'm not going to take those thoughts and let them dominate me. So I'm not talking about going crazy. I'm talking about, you know, if you're going to give $100 and you, the thought comes like, you better not do that, you shouldn't do that, well, why don't you just give 101 Or if that's too much for you, at least give $100 and one cent. Just out of principle. In other words, I'm not going to be dominated by human thinking, human reasoning, and certainly not by the thoughts the devil would bring. I refuse to do it. So I'm not saying you have to double it or anything like that. Do what the Lord says. But what I'm telling you is you don't let that dominate you and don't let that thought go unanswered. You say, nope. My God shall supply all of my needs. And just to prove it, I'm going to up it. Because I refuse to be dominated by lack. So this is the freedom to lack. And the problem is, many times, our mind will tell us, trying to figure stuff out, well, they just want your money. They're just trying to do this. They're just trying. No, no. Jesus, yeah, like I said, he wants your money mainly because he wants your heart. And when we come together, what the body of Christ can do with our finances and everything is a tremendous blessing. But the Lord is most interested in your heart. But not only that, after that, he wants you to not be dominated by lack and wondering how I'm going to do this and not being able to give into every good work. I mean, I don't know, I know uh, we have a lot of people from Karis here. And so I know Rama better than Karis because I went to Rama, but I think the schools are pretty similar. So I'm sure that everybody that's from Karis and then the people that are from Rama and the people that are not, we must know like some missionaries that are just starting out that need some seed sown into their life. And you may like be like, okay, I can sow like $100 this first year for you. But what if, what if the, 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 Dominance of lack that cap was removed off of you and you could multiply that by ten times and say You know what last year? I gave you a hundred this year I'm sowing a thousand dollars into your you know over in Ethiopia or wherever you're called to go So so don't be selfish and think you think about just yourself Do you understand what I'm saying? So Jesus is kingdom-minded So he's talking about the whole kingdom, the whole church. That includes every denomination that names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and every non-denomination that names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not just talking about, like, uh, your group of people, my group of people, this, that, or whatever. He's talking about the whole body. So that the body of Christ can be a glorious body, not having lack So that the body of Christ is known as the biggest givers, the most generous givers, the most heartfelt givers of any giver anywhere. Because why? Well, you know, wait, if I can just get this in the hands of the master, the blessing of the Lord comes on this. And when the blessing of the Lord comes on this, you ain't seen nothing. You just watch what happens. You just watch what happens when God gets involved in your finances. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll affect um, where you sow it. It'll, it'll affect uh, your own life. It'll affect those that are exposed to your sowing. There is no telling where the blessing will end. Whew! You can't outgive God. He will multiply your seed sown. Now, he's either a liar or he's telling the truth. So I prefer to say, like, Lord, I'm giving this because I believe you're not a liar. And if you're not a liar, then I'm excited and I'm expecting, and I, you know, I'm a happy, hilarious, prompt to do it giver, whose heart is in his giving, Amplified says. That's over in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Why? Because I know what's happening. I know that this is breaking. The power of poverty, of debt, and of lack over my life. And not only that, it's opening up a whole new realm. Because now I have access to the true riches, which is what I really want. I mean, I'm living here on the earth. You know, we're really going to live here for 120 years or less, Right? So I'm living here that time, and I want to be blessed during that time. And so I'm thankful that he multiplies my seed sown and that, you know, if I sow generously, I reap generously so all my needs are met, I can give into every good work. But I'm after the true riches. Like Paul said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and be made conformable unto his death. What does that mean? That means if I act in faith by turning away from my own self what I can do, what I could accomplish, and I turn wholeheartedly, 100%, 110%, To the Lord, all of a sudden now, he can do in my life, in my finances, in my body, in my family, my relationships, in my job, he can do what only he could do. He can do the impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. But with Tim, there's a lot of impossibilities. (laughs) And you could put your name in there. But if you can say like Paul said, it is no longer I that live but it is Christ. You know what Christ means? It means the anointed one and his anointing. It is no longer I that live, but it is the anointed one and his anointing that live in me and through me. It is by his power, it is by his word. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is my sustenance. It sustains me, it invigorates me, it gives me direction, it it, it lights a path. You know, the word of God, if you don't know what to do, you have to look to the word. But you can't just look to the word with your natural mind, you have to look to the word with the Holy Spirit of God himself. And Jesus said, when I go away, I'm sending my spirit, because I don't want you without comfort, I don't want you alone, I don't want you without boldness. Uh, you know, uh, I love that. Hoopamone means that you actually don't turn away from the storm when it comes, when the testing comes, the trials come, but actually you get invigorated and you turn and you face the storm head on and you say, bring it on. Why? Because you're amazing? No, because the one who lives inside of you is greater than the one that's in the world, that's, that's uh, activating, actuating, that's behind animating. Do you know what I'm trying to say? The, the devil is behind all these people trying to destroy, to kill, and to steal. Jesus said, I have come so that you'd have an okay life. No, John 10, 10. He said, I have come that you might have zoe, the Greek word zoe, which means the life of God and the nature of God, the same quality of life that God himself is sustained with. Jesus said, I've come that you would have that and that it would be overflowing. Like not just a little, just a little dabble, do you. Is that what they say? No, no, no. Like in abundance, overflowing. Like, Like that you... I love, um, if you ever want to read a really good book on healing, there is a book called Christ the Healer by a man by the name of F.F. Bosworth. And it is a phenomenal book on healing. It was one of our textbooks at Raymond. I I still love to read it all the time. Anyhow, um, F.F. Bosworth and uh, uh, T.L. Osborne. uh, I heard T.L. Osborne say this because we were uh, in some of his meetings and stuff. And uh, he was a world evangelist, mightily used of God. just, Just amazing. And, um... You know, oh, praise the Lord. And so uh, he said, he was talking to F.F. F. Bosworth one time, and he said, he said how are you doing? He said, I'm doing pretty good. He's like, my face is a little sore because I keep having to rub my grinning muscles because this is so good. This life is so good. The Lord is so good to me that my cheeks actually get sore because I'm smiling so much because of the goodness of the Lord. <laughs> That's how we're all supposed to live. That's the kind of life he wants us to live. Do you know, like I say, I say the spirit of faith, you know, Pastor Mark has, I think, the best. He's like, the spirit of faith will make a tadpole slap a whale. (laughs) There's a guy, I think he was in Texas, and he was preaching one time. And a guy came up and said, man, that preaching like that with a spirit of faith. You know what that makes me think of? He said, that makes me want to grab a corn stalk, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. <laughs> 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 well, that's called the spirit of faith. And Jesus said, we have that, uh, Paul said, that we have that same spirit of faith. The same spirit of faith that David had when he ran at the giant. And the giant's like talking smack to him. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, how dare you defy the God, my God. And he, he said, this day, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off. What is that? What causes someone to do that to a giant that's like way bigger than them, that has defeated everyone around them, that every other input that they have actually says, "In me, probably even friends, I know his brothers, what are you doing here? Yeah. You can't do anything. Well, we learn in the New Testament, don't you dare judge someone after the flesh. We judge Jesus this way. Remember they said that? But we don't look at him that way anymore. We look at him after the spirit. So they looked at this uh, young man, David, after the flesh. Well, if you look at yourself after the flesh, if you look at me after the flesh, if you look at so-and-so after the flesh, you say, well, uh, they're probably going to die because you know the situation they're in. Well, you have not accounted for the greatest power that is in existence, and that is the power of God himself. And if the power of God himself comes to bear on the situation, I'm sorry, I don't care what it is. If it's total death and destruction, there'll be a resurrection. God is a God of the resurrection. He will resurrect things that he has. The the vision that you have... That the devil has tried to steal, tried to destroy, tried to ruin, say it's too late, it's been too long, it's not going to happen. Well, if you believe him, that's probably exactly what will come to pass. But that is, you know, we said nothing shall be impossible to God. You know what else the Bible says Nothing's impossible to? Him that believeth. So if you choose to believe what God said, nothing shall be impossible to you. Because nothing is impossible to God. And if you're believing on God, you're believing on the, the being of the impossible. So nothing shall be impossible to him that believeth. So you can believe. You're a believer. If you're a believer, say it with me. I am a believer. I'm not a doubter. I am a believer. I believe God. I walk in faith. It's my natural state. Because I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away. Look, everything is brand new. Now, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's say it again. Bolder. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. You ought to say that every day. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and you definitely ought to say it when you feel like you can't. And if you just said, in that situation, I'm not talking right now, I'm saying, you find yourself in a situation saying, I can't do this, I'm failing, I'm going to give up, I'm going to quit, and then all of a sudden you hear yourself say that, and you feel, you feel your own strength slipping away because of your very own words, well then don't just condemn yourself, just say, I don't believe that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Be like David say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my mouth. In other words, you just change your confession right like that. Because the devil will lie to you so that he can kill you, steal from you, and destroy you. And the lie is, when you start slipping away from the things of God, that you've gone so far that everything is ruined and everything is messed up. But the truth is, he might want to send you to a five-star hotel in Naples, Italy, to restore you because you turned back to him. Because he's a good God. (laughs) And I forgot. I don't know why. I looked at you and I remembered. But when I went over there, then somebody said, you should sign up for the reward points. So I signed up for reward points. So I got, came back, and then I had like two or three weeks worth of free hotel stays because of all the points because the government paid for me to go there. So you can't, you can't outgive the Lord. So, so, so get rid of the stinking thinking of lack. So, if if, when someone ministers on this, well, there's an anointing right here, especially to minister to it now, and the anointing will remove the burden and destroy the yoke. So, you may feel different about it now than what you do when you get out from under the anointing. So, if you're out from under the anointing, or when someone starts to minister on it, and you have a little bit of a wall up, I just encourage you to do this. How about you take your Bible and you look up the scriptures concerning giving and you see what God said about it. Forget what I said about it. Forget what your school said about it. Forget what Sunday school said about it. Find out for yourself what it says. And then you act on that. Why? Well, what you'll do as you grow in these things, well, anything of, any of the things of God no matter what area. Do you know you can have faith in one area and not in another? <laughs> Why? Well, because you have looked to the Lord in that area and he has spoken to you in that area and that's how faith comes. So you can have... Some people, like there's a lady, amazing, one of my... was one of, one of the most puzzling stories when I first heard Brother Higgin tell it. There was a lady in one of his churches and she was in a wheelchair. And, you know, they would pray for her. Cold season come, flu season come, whatever. And they'd pray for her you know what? She would be like dripping out her nose and they'd pray for her and all of that mucus would be gone instantly. Well, she, her legs didn't work, so she was in a wheelchair, so the Lord put on their heart. Actually, he saw uh, a little vision from the Lord of him and some ladies of the church going to pray for this lady at her house. And he saw himself say, Now my sister, arise and walk in the name of Jesus. And so... He thought, well, let's just go do it. He didn't tell any of the ladies. So they went over and started praying. And he knew she was going to get up. That was the end of the vision. You know what happened? They were in her bedroom praying. She's in the chair. And she levitates out of the chair, one foot up and one foot out. She's hanging in midair while they're praying. And she looks left, left, and right. And all of a sudden, she looks back at her chair She grabs the chair, and she pulls it up to her butt. The power of God ceased, and she fell in the chair. He said, you don't have an ounce of faith, do you? And you know how he meant that. We'll talk about later. But um, she said, no, I don't mind telling you. I'm going to go to my grave in this chair. Why? Well, she had faith. What she didn't know is she could have actually used the faith that she had for healing of, uh, like, uh, what are those called? Viruses. And just said, well, if the Lord will do that there, that's part of healing. This is part of healing. And she could have just instantly done that. But what happens is we make a decision. In other words, God is not going to overpower my will or your will. So if you come and you decide, I'm not going to listen to anything about giving financially. Or I'm not going to listen to anything about healing. Or some people, they're not filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. I'm not going to listen to anything about tongues. Well, the Lord's not going to force you you have to open your heart to what he says. That's why I say, you look in your Bible with your heart open to the Lord and find out what he says to you because God is not unjust. He is not going to ask you or require you to do something that he hasn't told you to do. Why? Because when he tells you to do it, you have his word. And if you have his word, you can grab a cornstalk, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. Do you understand? Like it's more solid. They call walking by faith, they call it stepping out over the aching void of nothingness with nothing under your feet except for the word of God. But the word of God is more powerful than if that step were to continue going. It's more real. The things that are seen were actually made by the things that are not seen. So the seen world is actually subject to the unseen world. And so God actually is He has created with His words. Oh, is that here? I was gonna look it up during worship. But, so I was studying it the other day and oh, see if it's there. I'll paraphrase it if I don't find it here real quick. right book. I'm in the table of contents, (laughs) and I'm clicking on the right spot. I was reading the other day one of the the scriptures that I love to... Do you know, like, uh, let me just do a little side journey real quick. Obviously, the kids are going to stay in here. So... (laughs) So, you have to understand how the Lord uses you, and you have to understand how the Lord uses other people. When he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And how the anointing and the office functions in each of those different um, giftings or offices, it's going to manifest differently. So, when I was on staff at a church in Michigan. Man, I tried. That's <laughs> right after I had traveled with Brother Hagan, So it was vastly different. And so uh, the pastor of that church was very much like a teacher. So line upon line, precept upon precept, but without prophetic. So I had traveled with Kenneth Hagan, who was uh, anointed of the Lord and stood in the office of a prophet and a teacher. So uh, those two offices affected each other. So when he would teach, he would have a prophetic air about it. And so you'd hear other people teach. You might say, like, after listening to him, you might be like, well, they're not called to be a teacher. Well, that's not necessarily true. So teaching all of the giftings, when he ascended on high, he gave to his church supernatural offices. In other words, they're beyond the natural. So you see it says teacher, He's not talking about a Sunday school teacher. He's not talking about a school teacher. He's not talking about just taking this and getting a blackboard and dividing it up. Although, someone that is anointed with the supernatural office of teaching could do that very same thing and be a supernatural teacher. But these are supernatural giftings given to the church. So it's going to be more than just a natural thing. And so... Uh, depending how the Lord has called you and anointed you will depend on how you minister. So I was there, and I tried to do it like him, and I tried to write, put all my notes down there and do all this type of stuff. Man, it was the deadest thing in the world because I felt like disingenuous because that wasn't what was in my heart. And so um, I could do all that and write it all out and do all that. Most of the time, if you look at my notes, I've just got like a, a skeleton outline, if that, I have like a few scriptures and I know exactly in my heart where I'm going. But when I would do that and I tried that for like two or three years, man, it was the hardest thing in the world to minister. But then I, I, I the Lord dealt with me and he's like, you know, how about you minister how I've anointed you to minister? I said, okay. And do you know what? It takes, I, for me, it takes a lot more effort to minister this way than the other way. Because you can't really not be prayed up. You can't really not be studied up. Yeah. I can't just... I don't just like pull out an old sermon and be like, I don't really have old sermons. But I've never preached the same sermon twice. Well, what happens? Well, I got, you know, the Lord kind of had that witness in my spirit. And then I started reading after people like Charles Finney. Have you ever read about him? Great revivalist, and he said, I would get up, and he said, whole platoons of thoughts would flood my mind, and scriptures would come, and I would begin to speak. And he said, for the first, I think he said, nine to 13 years, if I ever did uh, take a note before I preached, I don't know it. He said, I would write outlines after I preached, not before. And then he said something that really blessed me. He said, let no minister say that I alone am the one that can do this. This is available to all ministers if they but seek God. So what I'm trying to say is um, you have to allow the Lord to use you the way he has anointed you. And so that's what I'm doing. so I was reading the other day in Psalm 19 so I I like pray this almost every single day I love the Psalms and this is where we're supposed to go for the main message later in the Psalms but obviously this is the main message so (laughs) praise the Lord I hey I am not running things here I am just here to serve so if you don't like it talk to the Lord (laughs) okay I'll fix that up do you know what All of the offices and all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are perfect from God, but they are imperfect in their manifestation because they're manifested through imperfect vessels. Do you understand that? So God gave perfect gifts to the church, and the Holy Ghost is perfect. But the second the Holy Ghost gets off on you or gets off on me, now he's dealing with imperfection. Well, that's his specialty to kind of like bring chaos into order. That's what he did in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. He brought the chaos into order. He hovered over the chaos, some translations said, and he brought great order. So things are to be done decently and in order. But the point is, when the Holy Ghost is working through you, or if you're not uh, from the generation I am, Holy Spirit is working through you and in you, you might make a mistake. I like... Uh, A.B. Simpson, he, he, he had a great education. And when Brother Higgins said when he would prophesy or interpret tongues, he said it'd make every hair stand up on the back of your neck. Why? He said because he had such a vast vocabulary. When the Holy Spirit came on him, he could express the utterances that came from God in such vivid word pictures that you could just like see it because he had so much to draw from. So don't let anybody ever think like, because we're against putting education first, that we're against education. Education is, everything is good as long as it's under the mighty hand of God. Everything that's good. (laughs) Everything that's good is good. Do you understand what I'm saying? (laughs) Some people say like, if you just get rid of the education. No, I think if you could get more education... That is godly wisdom education. And that if these young people actually have the foundation that you would get at charis or Rama or christ for the nations or any of these type of places where you're like grounded in the word and then you can actually be a light at some of these places but what happens is some of these young people they go out to these places and they have no solid foundation of the word of god in their life and they start to question and they start to wonder and when they start to question they start to wonder they start to wander and they wander further and further away from the word of god and like i was saying before the devil will try to make you think oh it's so long to get back. You're so far. You've messed up so much. No, it's like in an instant. You turn to God and boom you're back. The same robe of righteousness the father sees you coming afar off. He sees you from a great distance and he says he's been waiting. He's been looking out and as soon as he sees a hint he says you kill the fatted calf. You get the robe. I'm running to meet them. That's all God. When you've been took all the money that you had allotted to you, mess it up, spent it, fleshed out as we would call it, and you're trying to fix it yourself and finally you get tired of eating pig food and you're like, Well, I'll see. See, look at the perspective. I'll see if my father maybe would accept me and I could be one of the lowly servants. Maybe he would at least do that for me because I'm ashamed of how I treated him. <laughs> Jesus said this is an example of the father, <laughs> right? Our heavenly father. But no, so the Lord is looking for us. And if we will just let him, he wants to lavish on us love and blessing and fellowship and mercy more than what you can take away, more than what you could carry, great abundance. Whew. The Lord is good. So I was reading over in Psalm chapter nineteen, and I started reading the heavens. That's I was praying it. I think the heavens declare the glory of the Lord, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Verse one, verse two. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night shows knowledge. Uh, There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. And I saw that word speech, and I thought, it just, my attention was drawn to the word speech. And I thought, what is the, is how the Lord worship me a lot of times. What what does that actually mean? Like in the Hebrew, what does this speech mean? Speech, like how, 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 what does that mean? Anyhow, so this is what I found as part of it. I don't have time to go into all of it. But it says, it is the creative word. It is uh, the word amar, And it manifests itself in the creative word of God. In the account of creation, creation is depicted as a word or speech event. Each individual creative act begins... With these Hebrew words that I can't pronounce. And God said, after which stands, joseph, meaning, in other words, what He's going to say, I'll just keep reading it. As far uh, as as form is concerned, the event here is a command, and it is followed by a statement to the effect that what God had commanded to come to pass. The creative will of God is capable of being spoken. The creative word does what it says, that references are made in the course of the larger account of the creative act to differentiated. Create, uh, creative acts of God, if you don't understand this, I'll paraphrase it in just a second, word account and deed account is worthy of note and often discussed. And in, in the opinion, the statement that the creative act was accomplished, the deed account, can be understood only as an explanation of the divine word, word which had been uttered. In other words, what he's trying to say is, God spoke these words, and these words themselves what you saw after those words were spoken are still those same words in physical, natural form. So, so you know, in Romans, it also says, here it says, like, everyone can know how good God is and how amazing God is if you just look at creation. Day unto day, utter speech. In other words, uh, just the sun rising is actually declaring God. Why? Because God spoke about the sun, and it was. And so that sun is actually the words of God. They actually did a study. We're teaching the kids at school right now. They homeschool. We're teaching about Adam's and stuff like that. But we tell them a little bit more than what the homeschool says that they have actually... Actually, found that the smallest particle smaller than an electron, neutron, photon, whatever those things are, this the smallest particle that makes up all matter is actually a quark. And a quark is made of a sound wave. So science is actually coming to find out that the Bible's true. They won't say that. But all matter is actually made of sound waves. It's almost like when God said, and it was those sound waves created. It is. And so uh, when you look at creation and you realize you're seeing God's words, well, what happened? Well, there was a fall. So some of what you see of God's words have been corrupted by the fall because God owned the world and he delegated his authority to man and man then sold out to the devil and the devil got an influence on the creation of God. But you cannot, over in Romans it says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through through what what has been made so that men are without excuse. What is that? Well, that is... God spoke and you cannot look and see the intricacies of the creator and not know that there is a God that has created all of that. So that men are what, without excuse. But over in Romans, how, how do people deny that? It says because they refused to acknowledge God and their foolish minds were darkened. So if you, to, you acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways and what happens? He will direct your path. So what happens if you don't acknowledge the Lord? Well, let's just not go there. He's not directing your path. Who's directing it then? Probably you are. Well, not really. You think you are, because Paul actually said that anyone that is uh, not serving the Lord is a slave to sin. And you think, people think, and your flesh will think, oh, I can do whatever I want. I can go get drunk all the time. I can, you know, uh, be with people that are not my spouse, and I'm cleaning it up because there's kids in the room. And so the flesh just thinks like, oh, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do that. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I just do what I want to do. You are controlled. Do you know how many people I know that have said like, I'm not an alcoholic. I can stop anytime I want. Okay, let's see you Stop. They find out real quick, ooh, I thought I had more power in this than what I did. Yeah, because the devil is subtle. He masquerades like an angel of light. This is good for you. You just need to relax and take the, what do they call it? Take the edge off. Yeah. You know what? The Word of God actually answers that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Be not drunk with wine, for that is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. God. Why? Well, because you're not meant to go through life sober. Because you get a little overwhelmed. You have to be full of God, full of the Holy Spirit. And that is not a one time experience. There's an initial evidence, but that is a lifestyle. And so this year, 2019, we as a church, we're just going to start this year out seeking the Lord. Seek first the kingdom. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter or 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 first of all that you pray and then there's a lot of stuff after that but the point is first of all you pray let me give you one other thing and then we'll close I believe I just work here okay See, uh, when the Lord leads you a different direction, for me, what I'm always look- looking is, I'm, well, anyhow, I'm always looking on the inside. But I'm looking to say, like, all right, is anything that I spent my week and longer than a week most of the time uh, meditating on, praying about, is anything going to be used today? <laughs> or was that just for me, right? <laughs> because sometimes if you bring it in, so, so a lot of you have been Bible school and stuff like that, so I'm trying to help everybody sometimes you try to bring it in and you'll miss the anointing because you just want to bring in what you ha- what, what, you know, you spent all that time on. Brother Higgins one time, he said, I worked on this message. He said, I, it was a mother's day message, he said, I quoted Abraham Lincoln. I quoted so-and-so. I quoted so-and-so. I quoted so-and-so. And he said, I got and all these, you know, all these fathers came to the service and he said, you know, they're not going to be back till either Christmas or Easter. And he said, you know, all these people are there because it's Mother's Day. They're there. And, you know, the Lord laid on it. He said, you know, I want you to lay hands on people for healing. And he said, I'm thinking, like, I can't do that. Everything's going mother. <laughs> he said, so I got up and I started my scripture, uh, my great Mother's Day message, which he said I never did preach. <laughs> he said, because after a year went by, I lost whatever I thought it had. <laughs> he said, I got up and I said, oh, folks, forgive me. I'm just going to obey the Lord. If you need healing in your body, come here. And he said, lo and behold, these men that never came to church, they came and they were healed. Boom, 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 boom. He said, look at that. The Lord knew more than I did. (laughs) So 2 Corinthians, oh, praise the Lord. Okay, this was supposed to be in this message. Cause I was studying, I thought, Lord, why am I doing a giving scripture in the middle of the message? I'm not talking about giving, but it was a scripture you put on my heart. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse five. See? You just found out the same time I did. Okay. Thank you, Lord. We love your anointing. Without you, pretty much we're nothing. Pretty much we don't know anything. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. And it's talking about, you know, right before that, he's talking about the churches of Macedonia and how they gave uh, out of a great trial of affliction and their deep poverty that abounded to, their, abounded to the riches of their liberality. In other words, they were really happy and really poor and gave, still gave. And then the Lord turned them around, you see chapter 9, like they, and then they gave out of, in chapter 8, they give out of their lack, and chapter 9, they give out of their abundance. Okay, But verse 5 says, And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Now I want to read that in NIV and CEV. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. And then CEV. And they did more than we had hoped. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us, just as God wanted them to do. So listen to this. They exceeded our expectations. How did they exceed their expectations? I want you to think about this in the context of 2019. How can 2019 exceed your expectations? How can... Okay, forget about money for a second. Although, you know, what I'm saying is like whether your treasure is, your heart is also... So you just assume, okay, I'm doing that. And they exceeded our expectations. How? They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. If you want to exceed expectations in your relationships, first of all, give yourself to the Lord. If you want to exceed expectations in finances, first of all, give yourself to the Lord. If you want to exceed expectations in wisdom and knowledge and ability and anointing, first of all, you give yourself to the Lord. So first of all, we give ourselves to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, also to us. Remember, what was it... uh, Was it uh, Peter who said that which we have seen and heard and handled of the word of God, this we declare unto you. In other words, you first have to receive something in order to give something. And if you want to give someone something that actually produces life in their life, when I'm saying life in their life, I'm saying they're having difficulty in their relationships, in their family. And you want to see new life spring forth in that. You have to first of all, give yourself to the Lord. You, first of all, give that situation to the Lord. You, first of all, look to the Lord. I don't know how I did that. (laughs) First of all, so you're talking about people right here. He's talking about giving, but the same principle from God applies to every area of your life. Why? Well, because if you go down, he talks about this grace also. You know, that you have, um, verse 7, Therefore, as you abound in every faith, utterance, knowledge, diligence, your love towards us. See that you abound in this grace, the, give, the grace of giving also. So he's talking about all these graces, right? And so when he said, they, and they exceeded our expectations, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord. That when you give a situation first of all to the Lord, well, that means you're looking to what he could do in this situation, not what I could do or you could do or your friend could do or your grandmother could do. that you look at what God alone could do. And so instead of living um, this year under a shadow and under a cloud and living this year like, oh, it's just going to be like last year or worse than last year, how about first of all, look to the Lord. First of all, you give it to him. And you say, okay, Lord, I'm not holding anything back this year concerning you. I am, first of all, giving myself to you. Well, what what, what happened? Look at what these people did. In their situation, he's talking about right here, concerning giving. They're in a great trial of affliction. They're being afflicted in a great trial. Not a small trial, but a great trial of affliction. But they had joy in the midst of it. Joy on the journey. And their deep... Poverty abounded to the riches of their generousness. So look at, Jesus is talking about If I can't even trust you with financial things. How can I trust you with the true riches? But if you get a handle on financial things, like the Macedonian church has got a handle on financial things, and he didn't say you have to be wealthy to get a handle on financial things. He said these people had great trial of affliction and deep poverty, but they were full of joy in the midst of it. And because of that, the grace of God abounded toward them in the midst of their situation. I showed up in their life, he's saying. I showed up in their situation. Why? Because they first of all, How did they do this? This is what he says, verse 5. And this they did. They exceeded our expectations. They first of all gave themselves to the Lord and then to us. Whew, that's good news. So whatever your situation, whatever my situation, if we will just, first of all, Lord, I'm giving this to you. Like Jesus said, you know, talking about stressing out, having anxiety, having troubles, Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Am I keeping you awake? <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's really the spirit of the Lord. Because I didn't have this written down. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of making mankind right and favored with himself, that you can't actually create your own favor with God. Your favor that you could do by your works is called self-righteousness, and nobody likes somebody that's self-righteous. We like people that are Jesus-righteous and God-righteous, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, in the anointed one in his anointing. He has made us his very favored ones, that you're a child of God, that Jesus doesn't have more favor with the Father than you have with the Father, that the rapport, the relationship, the way that God looks at Jesus, if you live in Christ, is how he looks at you. So he's not accounting up and holding against you your trespasses. He's not like, oh, uh, Brittany did this, Brittany did that, and look what she did. No, he, he, he looks at Brittany, and he looks at her record, and he keeps better records than anybody. But when she comes under the blood, he said, Jesus did that. Jesus did that. Jesus did that. And he does the same thing for you and the same thing for me. In Christ, we are the righteousness of God. You know, uh, I Amplified, actually, I think it's Amplified, says in union with Christ. How can two walk together unless they're in union or in agreement? Right? So if you are in union, well, you could be actually literally, if we could peel back your body, you're a three-part being, and we could see your spirit, if you're born again, we would actually see that you're in union with God. But a lot of times, we just let that union be on the wayside because we don't believe enough for it to cause our actions to change. Yeah, I'm born again. I'm just a bad person because I keep doing this. I keep doing that. Well, your thinking is messing you up, and it is dominating you, and that's why James said that you be saved by the uh, word of God. He didn't mean saved like salvation. He said your mind, like you look over in Romans That you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But James talks about the saving of your soul. People get that confused. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul is not your spirit. And so, in other words, your mind has to be changed so that your mind actually will give in to the word of God. It will be dominated by the word of God so that ultimately what happens is you have been created to think the very thoughts of God. So they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and by uh, by the will of God and then also to us. So that is the will of God for you this year. That you first of all give yourselves to the Lord. And so what I'd like us to do as a church uh, the rest of this month, uh, I like to start the the first Sunday because if you do this before... um, what do you call it? New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, then people there with family and all this type of stuff. Um, first of all, this year, this month, I'd like it to be a time where we just take extra time to seek the Lord and give him place. So if the Lord puts on your heart uh, to fast, you can fast if the Lord puts, but, but <laughs> fasting doesn't change you. It, cha- it doesn't change the Lord. It changes you. Yeah. But what's on my heart is that it's a time where we're taking some extra time to seek the Lord. So that might involve, uh, if you want to call it fasting, you can call it fasting. But you could fast uh, some normal thing that you would do. If you like to take account of the news, then either cut it out or do it by 50%. The news is a great thing to cut out for a period of time, because it can really influence you. Uh, If it's meals, you know, some people, I won't point at my wife or anything. Some people, food is like got a great place, right? So this is my heart as your pastor, is that you just take some extra time. So if you take a 30-minute lunch or an hour lunch, you could take, if you take an hour, you could take 50 minutes and eat in 50 minutes and seek the Lord for 10, either through feeding on the word or through praying. And if, you, if it's on your heart to actually fast, uh, in other words, to not eat, just to drink the water, the Lord puts it on your heart, that's great too. But as your pastor, what I would like is that whatever you're doing, that you are seeking the Lord. In other words, what I'm trying to say is if your body flips out too much and you're trying not to eat and you can't even receive from the word, uh, I want us to seek the Lord first through the word and through prayer. So eat something. Just eat faster and then seek the Lord. Uh, because uh, and then the, the the two main scriptures that I would love us to be praying together is the Ephesians chapter one prayer and the Ephesians chapter three prayer, because those prayers are life changing, and if you get like a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God operating, it will affect your business, it will affect your husband, your wife, your children, your friends, your coworkers. So people ask me, especially when I was first starting a church, how can we pray for you? And I said, I'd like you to pray the Ephesians 1 and 3 prayer. And sometimes people would be like, "Uh, is there something else more specific? And I said, if I have that operating, what else do I need? Because I have a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. As a minister of the gospel, I love if you pray that prayer for me. Because I don't know your situation, but if God's Word is anointed and comes through my lips. It'll penetrate your situation and if you act on it Life will spring forth And I, I'll finish with this so uh, praying those type of prayers, you know, you kind of get like a lot of light And when well, you you live in the atmosphere of the Lord, I live in the atmosphere of the Lord and so you know uh, Hopefully it's a embarrass embarrassing. I won't say names so Somebody in the church, uh, well, I pray for everybody in the church. But especially if when I'm praying, you come up before me, I go after it. I yield to the anointing, and I just go. And so uh, like this week. Anyhow, so about six, seven, eight months ago, something like that, uh, well, you guys all come up because you're a pastor, so it comes up. But anyhow, one particular person came up and so I found myself and I'm praying and all of a sudden in my prayer, I started preaching to this person and I thought, this is kind of weird. So I'm just preaching and preaching and preaching and then next thing I know, um, this person said, uh, about a a week later, said, uh, you know, last week, I had a dream and you showed up in the dream. And they told me what I said and what I said what they said I said was like word for word what I was preaching while I was praying to them and I showed up in their dream so what I'm trying to tell you is uh, please don't think like I'm not amazing God has this for every believer okay now as a pastor I have a little greater role in people's life because I'm called to nurture feed admonish all that type of stuff right uh, when I'm your pastor but What I'm trying to say is, if you give yourself to the Lord first, you seek him, he will speak to you, and you'll find direction, and things will become simpler, and and you'll be lighter uh, on your feet, and you'll just be like, wow, this is is great. I had a friend that uh, they were doing some stuff that was a little, uh, I would call it extra-biblical at a... And they they had, um, that means the biblical, and then they added the Bible, and they added to it. So they had something called encounter weekends. So they'd send people on these encounter weekends, and then, uh, you know... Uh, well, I don't want to say what they did, but it wasn't super bad. But anyhow, they, well, I'll say, they want to go into your past and what happened when you were a little kid and all this type of stuff. da 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 da, da, da. This thing comes around the church every so often. And so if uh, just to say, if you have something in your past and you've, you, you're, you're resentful towards your parents and bitter towards your parents, you haven't forgiven them, forgive them and go, go on. Okay. Anyhow, so they're trying to tout to me, this other minister, <laughs> oh, this is so amazing. This is This is wonderful. We're seeing so much life change. And I said, well, I said, uh, you're not actually seeing change because you're doing that because that's not really scriptural. You're going like the long way around the mountain. I said, I'll tell you exactly why you're seeing results. I said, and then I started asking him questions. We're sitting at lunch in Michigan. And I said, well, I said, let me guess. You say... Uh, in two months, we're going to go on an encounter weekend. I want you to be praying about it. He said, yeah, yeah, we t- that's what we tell them. And I said, you probably say to their families, be praying for this person as they're going to go on this encounter weekend. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's what we do. And I said, and then you probably tell them you need to expect the Lord to speak to you while you're on this encounter weekend. Yeah, that's exactly how we do it. And I said, you're getting results because you're creating an expectation and you have created a time for them to set aside to meet with God and you cannot see Seek God like that. If you seek me, you will find me. So I'm just using that for an example for every single one of us. If you take some extra time and you seek the Lord and you expect him to speak to you in your heart and through his word, he will do it, and your year will start out fabulous, and you don't have to be, like, uh, uh, unsure of this year, but you can actually know what's going on. So uh, if you pray the Ephesians prayers... Uh, if you don't know what to pray, um, you can pray the Ephesians prayers, and I'd encourage you to pray those uh, at least once, preferably twice a day, um, Monday through Friday, for the rest of the year, the rest of the month. And you look and see what happens. But I want you to seek the Lord every day. Okay, and I would encourage you to pray those prayers every day as well. Uh, but I know human flesh, so I don't want the devil to steal something from you because you miss one day and you say, well, the whole thing is off. No. that's a, Like the whole day, that's what I'm trying to say. Go to Naples, Italy and stay in a five-star hotel if you mess up is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so that's why I say five days a week, you make sure you pray those Ephesians prayers like twice a day and that you're seeking the Lord, you're putting Him first and you just take a, a, a stuff that you could... A, compress or cut out. Uh, You do that so that you give the Lord ample space to be able to speak to your heart. And you watch, and I'd encourage you to keep a little journal so that uh, the first week of February, we can actually see what the Lord has done in your life okay so this is on my heart so and so as you look and as you see and as you look forward to the future don't look at the future and think it'll be like the past and it's been this way and it's been that way but as you look forward to the future look to me and you'll see that there's a great light even like a shaft of light that connects from heaven to earth and earth to heaven and there's angels ascending and descending on assignment and from assignment and you shall find that the things that you've believed me for that you've been looking for even for years shall come to pass and there'll be a great glory and they'll be great blessing. So don't be drawn away and enticed by the things of the world which the devil would try to use to draw you away and hold you back and stop my blessing from coming into your life. But if you'll just look to me, yield yourself unto me, then all those things will flee. All those things will run away because in me there is life and joy and strength and health and in me you'll have great victory and in me you'll have no uh, regret and you'll have great joy and great strength and great direction and it'll be like you have been and strengthened from the inside that there is my spirit on the inside of you with your own spirit causing you to rise up in areas where you would have fallen even in habits that have dominated you for years and years the chains are broken they're gone so rise up don't look to the past and don't don't walk in the old paths of the old way of the natural man but walk in the old paths of the Holy Ghost for he is the same so walk with him and talk with him each and every day and you'll find he's made a Holy Ghost way for you to live and a Holy Ghost way for you to move and he has actually opened up his very wisdom and revelation and understanding into you. So, as you look from your heart to him, he'll see you through. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. I think that's it. Let me just check. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So, even if you look on the horizon, you would see that there is. Uh, yes, yeah, the ad's like a great wave, but it's it's a swell. It's like a great swell. It's welling up and welling up, and it's coming uh, stronger and stronger and higher and higher. And in that great swell is a well of blessing, and a well of anointing, and a well of power, and you'll see that even in this year, and in this time, it's a harvest season, it's harvest time, it's harvest for the lost, it's harvest for the things, and the seeds that you've sown, even in the natural things, you'll find that great things are coming to pass, and great things will rise up in your life, and things that you thought that you had actually given up on, things that you 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 almost forgot about, uh, they'll come back, and you'll say, oh, I, I, I didn't even think that was ever going to come to pass, I'd given up up. But th- thus says the Lord, I uh, watch over my words to perform them. And I will watch over my words that you've spoken. And I'm watching over those things. And as you look to me, you'll find that they're closer than you think. And sooner than you think, and more than you think, oh, great change is coming. Oh, it's like a great light. Oh, like a like a a, a dark house with a bright room and the door begins to open. That light will begin to spark Spread out and come out and splash out and it'll affect this one and that one and this area of your life and that area of your life and that life will drive out the darkness and so the things that have dominated you and those things that you thought it's no use I'm not even talking to the Lord about it how about you look to me again how about you see that in the light of my power and my glory and you'll see great blessing flowing down from above, for I am your Father full of love. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's all praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. Father, you are a just God, a holy God, a righteous God, a perfect God, and we thank you, Father, for your perfect plan for every person here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.